You're listening to The Intellectual Network at theintellectual.com. And now, your host, David Dawson. Sure, we could come up with oh, something sure. to talk about for an hour. Yeah, we're kind of chatty Kathy types. While I'm chatty, you're more Kathy. Ack. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, with Steve Schwartz. Hello. And uh, Steve and I go back uh, over a decade or so now. Yeah, it looks like yeah, 1999, 2000. Yeah, yeah, around 2000 time frame. Yep. Yeah. When I went to Palomar for radio mm-hmm. and television, you were already there. Yep. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you were um, the strange old Jewish guy in the program, and I was the weird kind of slightly older than most students, half Filipino kid. Yeah. Yeah. So we pretty much fit in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were the uh, TA at the time. Yeah. I was... Uh, you're the asshole who told everybody not to break the equipment. Yeah. yeah. How'd yeah, that go for you? Um, oh, it was, it was perfect. It was the perfect job right up until I broke the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lucky enough to be the guy on the other side of the tripod watching as you yeah. dropped a fairly brand new At the time, one on yeah, the floor. Yeah, a $9,000 camera dropped it right on its lens. It's so funny, though, because those cameras... They're not anywhere near worth that much now. No. No. <laughs> just the way technology is run, it's it's gone. Yeah, we can make them cheaper. Yeah, let's make them cheaper. Yeah, just blew right by them. Yeah. I can do so much better quality work on my Canon DSLR now. That is amazing. You know less, what? Less than a grand. In the last, I would say 15, 20, in the last 15 years, photography has gone, has come to a point where we have actually put an industry out of business. <laughs> Kodak has filed had to file for bankruptcy because nobody was buying film. Yeah, yeah, film uh, is dead. Film film is dead. Well, um, that's that's like a ongoing debate. There's still well, like purists. Yeah, there's still like, there will always be film. Oh, we yeah. should go back. There to are film those people. And, you know, but like, you have to understand in my um I guess your mom's watching Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Um, I was desperately trying to get caught up so I could watch the series. I know, I know. I've never, no never dice. watched an episode until the last couple of days. I got finally got Netflix and uh, on Apple TV on my on TV, and you know it's enough that I watch 400 channels at work. <laughs> now I'm staying up till like, when I get home at 12:30. I'm staying up till three watching yeah. <laughs> Breaking Bad. So I uh, I watched season one and the first half of season two, like when they aired. Mm-hmm. And then you know life happened, and let me ask you this: lost and the first couple of episodes. I mean, I have to admit, it was like, "Where's this going? Where's this going?" And what's the, you're going to have to? <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long since I watched season one. Well, I I just recently I watched it just yeah. a few days ago, and I, I was just, "Where's this? Where's this going?" Well, where's I wonder how much of that is you've heard all the hype of the show now, right? So you were expecting it to be. Yeah, but kind, kind of what when it, it first came out, people were saying, "Oh, did you see that? Did you see that Breaking Bad thing?" I'm like, "No, yeah, they didn't really say it at the very start, though." No, like by the end of season one was when everybody was like, "Oh, it's freaking amazing!" Yeah, and, I, I have to agree. After and, season one. and Vince Gilligan, um, the showrunner um, who, who came from the X Files, by the way, I don't know if you know that. No, um, didn't follow he, the X Files. Uh, he um, he credits Netflix for the growing popularity of the show because the back seasons have allowed people through the years to Mm -hmm. continue to catch up and kind of get engaged later in the run than they would have otherwise. And on a show like that, trying to come in like season four, if you've not seen the first three seasons, Mm -hmm. you're like, why the hell should I care about any of this? Right. So 
you know, it's good. And I've been trying to catch up on Netflix myself and, you know, just yeah, the one thing that too much to, stuff going on. Couldn't quite get it. You know, it's my job to flip through channels. <laughs> and for the last five years that have been doing that, occasionally I'll come across Breaking Bad. And my one reaction to coming to Breaking Bad was, was two things. One, does this guy not wear pants ever? <laughs> Every chance they get, Brian Cranston is in his underwear. Is in his underwear. And it's like, who keeps breaking his nose? <laughs> This guy's face is always messed up. He's bleeding. His nose is cut. Something. And so I'm like, I just said, okay, it's got to be something to it. Mm. But I got 399 other channels to watch. Yeah. Well, it's a it's an incredible character piece. Oh, amazing to you watch know, the, the transformation of this guy. Yeah. From this meek, from mild-mannered. Meek, mild-mannered chemistry teacher to, you know, kind of the uh, badass Badass drug lord. drug lord that he is here. It's amazing here how what what you would uh, put yourself through if you were up against it enough. Yeah. Well, it, and it's the thing that he he thought he was dying, and so he went down one route, figuring I'm only going to do this for a little bit of time, and right. then I'm gone. And then when he wasn't dying anymore, shit. Now I'm so far into this, I can't get out. Right. <laughs> you know, so I better just roll with it. Um. You know, and, and it very much uh, goes back to something my dad used to always tell me. You know, you can't wallow in shit for too long before you start to smell like it yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's exactly sort well, of what Well, before the stink, it can't, yeah. can't be washed off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's a fascinating show. And uh, Brian Cranston especially has been a huge surprise. Oh, yeah. You know. Absolutely. I mean – Amazing performances around. I mean, first, mm-hmm. you know the the Pinkman. I'm sorry. I, normally, I'm Aaron I'm, Paul. Aaron Paul. Um, you know, I think okay. Here's another loser stoner, but he does it so well. He is so consistent. With oh it. yeah, the junkie with a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's so funny because it it started to get really fascinating for me because. Um, I would be learning something of chemistry. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's something about chemistry that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is how you dispose of a body. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, when you're going to use hydrofluoric acid, make sure that you're using it in a plastic tub. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, boys and girls, listen and learn. <laughs> So you're working at DirecTV, yes. and uh, you monitor, was it 200 stations a day? 400. 400 stations a day. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you got signal and sound and signal, whatever Signal, sound, guide information, lip sync. Does that just drive you completely mm-hmm. fucking bored? <laughs> it was... Or I remember was, how excited you were to get the job when you first started. Oh, yeah, because I thought this was going to be leading to something because, you know, it's a, a nationwide, actually a worldwide brand mm-hmm. now because they're known all over the world. And it was it's such a huge company. That's one of the things that I wanted to do with my career is work for a large entertainment company in Los Angeles. Right. So I thought, oh, this is going to be perfect. And, Careful what you wish for. Yeah. And um, then uh, – I'm sitting. I'm still in there training me. I was like, okay, oh, okay, yeah. Where's the exciting part of this job? So you mean I'm just flipping through channels? No, no, no. There's a lot more to this. Okay, and uh, there is a lot more to it, but it's still the most tedious job and mind-numbing job. And the worst thing that you can do is get caught watching television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, or, or sleeping. Or or sleeping. Um, that happened to me once or twice, um, but it's happened to other people as well. So mm-hmm. they understand that, you know, you're flipping through 400 channels. And once you're done flipping through the 400 channels, you do it again. Right. Because you're the only well, two you eyes. can only stare at a wall of blinking lights well, for so long before you start to get hypnotized. The wall is there as, as a tool. Right. As a separate tool because they've actually uh, compressed and made my uh, department smaller. Mm-hmm. To the point where I only had, I used to have three separate walls totaling 400 screens. I now have one wall of 200 screens. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them are virtual walls. Mm-hmm. So I used to be able to look up when an alarm goes off. I look at my chart, I'll see what's flashing. 
on the screen saying which one, which channel is going. And I can physically look over to the wall and see if the picture is black, if yeah, it's frozen. You know what? I'm already bored too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do this 10 and a half hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Here, why don't you just ding stop dong, now? <laughs> ding dong. Ding dong. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Well, it, 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 you work you work four ten though, right? Yeah, and that's got to be at least a little better than when I first met you. When you were doing full time school, you were working full time at a radio station overnights. Yes, and you were like interning at TV stations. Like, yes, I don't know when you fit your internships in. Um, actually, but I remember you always looked like a Tim Burton character, <laughs> when you, you know, cartoon character. I still do. <laughs> no, not, not so much. You used to have like the the most black rings around your eyes. It was like somebody just took a like shoe polish and just went well, right it over. Like your that eyes. guy from uh, what's that? What's that band? He puts smears black. I don't know. Kiss. Not kiss. Uh, they were on Saturday Night Live last night. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I didn't watch. There's a guy who puts smears black, but it wasn't that bad. But uh, <laughs> how was Tina Fey? I know, I know you're like a huge fan of Tina. Oh Faye. God, she's so sexy. <laughs> okay, I'm older. Okay, I have a different. I I find her. The fact that uh, I she's find her a, very attractive. She's too. very attractive. I, I don't and know she's that smart when I, and funny. I don't know I, that when I, I really find first that. talk about Tina Fey that the first thing I go is, "Oh, she's so sexy." Like for me, you yes, know, I go, okay, she's, I, she's funny. You you like and, the girls, and she's attractive yes, too. I, I find but, the girls. I find the girls in FHM the FHM top one hundred sexy as well. Okay, <laughs> and granted, they're wearing sexy outfits and they're made up and everything. No, but what I'm yeah. saying is Tina Fey mm-hmm. is more than her looks. I know that. And That's to, what makes her. More and sexy, to, but to lead in with she's sexy, yeah, it doesn't because, give the girl enough credit for what she's really. Well, because good, your definition good. of sexy and my definition of no, sexy. fuck you! Don't you dare say that! <laughs> Don't you fucking dare say that! Because the first thing I tell anybody who asks me what I'm looking for in a woman is I say I want a woman I can talk to. That right. is absolutely the first criteria for me. I don't care what a woman looks like. So don't give me that shit. <laughs> Let me read And the way you said, oh, she's sexy, was completely <laughs> physical. I watched your whole body heave behind it. So don't give me that crap. Well, you know, I'm a larger person, so a lot of things that I do, it's heaves. I heave. <laughs> I heave. I heave, therefore I heave I to breathe. <laughs> so, yes, I find her sexy. Yes, she's attractive. But what makes, for me, what makes her more sexy is that she is funny and she is consistently funny mm-hmm. and very intelligent. So... With that, that combination for me. Yeah, well, I know you were like a big fan of 30 Rock, too. And No. <laughs> yeah, I know. Neither was I. No. I'm being facetious. Yeah. Um, and, and it was unfortunate because I wanted to be a fan of 30 Rock. So did I. And Because Tina Fey is very funny and very smart. And Alec Baldwin was hysterical on that show whenever mm-hmm. I watched him. I could not get past Tracy Morgan to watch that show. Every time he came I on, I just wanted to turn it off. Yeah. And I, I desperately tried to get through season one, like on, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever mm-hmm. it was at the time. And I got through season one, but then I just, I could not bring myself to be a regular viewer of that show. I have zero tolerance of, do you hear that? Is the, uh, oh, it's breaking bad. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> He like, just, Is that feedback? What Walt just found Walt just found out that yeah he's got cancer. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's Mom, mom's watching out. season one. Right. So. I I get the same thing when I tune people out. It's just this loud tone that I'm hearing, or, and just people's lips are moving. Uh, so. That's just the mothership calling you back, Steve. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I missed them. <laughs> so, um, well, getting back to I, I agree to Tracy Morgan for me. I have a zero tolerance for stupid. And that's the level of comedy that he is consistent well, I, with. I, I don't just, mind stupid. Like there are like there's stupid and then there's just completely asinine. Yeah. And and that's his uh, level of comedy is just him screaming all and the time. I, I find it the same level as Will Ferrell. I have no tolerance for him. Well, Will Ferrell has his moments. Like, there are, I mean... You know, like, I think the entirety of Anchorman is just hysterical. I have to agree with you there. Anchorman is absolutely right. I work, now, the race car driving one? Forget it. I, no, I couldn't watch five minutes of you it. Know, um, I thought he was really funny in his guest spot, or cameo spot on um, Wedding Crashers. No. 
You know, I thought he was hilarious in that. No, every single time but I've again, seen it's a cameo just, is just, him you know. going into a movie. It's like, why did they just ruin this movie by putting Will Ferrell in it? Why does he have to have? I mean, it's the same way with me with. Uh, and then his Alex with John Trebek Voight. thing. His Alex Trebek thing was hilarious. Oh, his hell yes on Saturday Night Live yes, <laughs> but um, but when in, taken in small doses, fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anchorman yes, I found it even more funny be, for me uh, because I worked with Ron Burgundy. Uh, when I worked in television, mm-hmm. I worked with that character mm-hmm. who was, he was exactly like it. And we were joking around that, uh, that his character was based on the person. Of, and then there was that one dramatic role that he did where the, like all the things in his head were like done in graphics, you know, kind of three dimensionally along his head while he was doing things. Do you remember that one? No. Was that the one where he's a character that's being written by Emma Thompson? <sighs> I think that might be it. Because yeah. that one I didn't see because it, I, I had bias because it was starring him. But um, yeah, it, it he was, was, he some was, of the he was brilliant in that. Okay. And it was kind of along the lines of Jim Carrey doing like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It was like, oh, wow. OK, there can be something more, or even to more this person. Even more know? like Adam Sandler when he uh, when he occasionally goes into you know the dramatics with, mm-hmm. when Punch Drunk Love and he also did uh, Spanglish and also um, yeah Spanglish was really good. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that's one of those where if it comes on, I I just stick with it. The difficulty it. I think for all those kinds of guys is they make their name being so right, so broad and so broadly stupid. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for them to transition into anything more moderate or right. super serious. It's I mean, almost like they have to go completely dramatic to do anything else, right? You know. Well, yeah. But I think the problem the is, is they start out. Is I think, tragedy, but I think the problem is they start out on Saturday Night Live, which is super broad, super big, right. or in Jim Carrey's case. You know, in living color, right? Super broad, really freaking huge performances. You know, and then when they go to do the movies, it's like we want you to bring what you did on television right. to the big screen, I and think then they're they're lambasted they're kind of stuck by the into critics because you know that's the way Hollywood is. Like we want you to do what you made you famous, right? Period. That's yeah. all we want you to do, and they're driven to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think of Rain Over Me with Adam Sandler? I didn't see that one. Oh. That that is a heart wrenching, uh, desperately heart wrenching. That's what I've heard. Painful, yeah. you know, to to watch. I mean, it's not a painful um, to watch, but to see his pain mm-hmm. as the character is just incredible—an incredible performance. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, from <sighs> him. Yeah. Uh, what movies are coming up that you're looking forward to seeing? Like, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Gravity. I don't want to see that um, really badly. I'm torn with that because I have my own I, – I, I have a tendency of uh, prejudging a film based on the uh, the trailer. It's like, oh, I, sometimes I'll, I'll see a trailer. You know better than to do that. You, I know you're a that, filmmaker. You should know, know way that, better than judging a movie by a trailer. That, I know that, but I'm old. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a generation that says, tell me if it's a good movie. Okay. If I well, see it's Alfonso the, Cuaron and it's – Sandra Bullock and it's George I know, Clooney. Sandra How Bullock bad George, could it be? It's not. It's and it's not, going to be like a crazy character sci-fi piece because they're stuck in spacesuits. I understand that, but to me, it's my first reaction when I saw it. Saw the trailer was, "Oh, it's open water in space." Okay. So okay, so it's open water in space. You got it. I, I need. I guess it was my critique of the trailer itself. Well, it sounds like it's more like a critique of open water than it is of what you're True, actually yeah. maybe going to get to yeah. watch in this movie. Yeah. I got pruny just watching the trailer for open water. <laughs> All right. I have my opinions. Yeah, They're mine. Your opinions are stupid. What, what else do you want to watch? <laughs> Uh, actually, there's some movies that have already been out that I haven't been, get, been able to get to. Um, the um, the Butler. Mm, I'll wait for a video for that. I'm probably going to do that because... The, there was no reason to spend $18 on the movie ticket to go watch that. What, is it in 3D? I pretty much only want to watch stuff in IMAX anymore. Okay. And that, that's, to me, that's the only reason to go to the movie theater now. 
It's for giant. For for giant epic spectacle. My sixty inch TV here at home is right. I mean, or not even that. I mean, uh, when I'm at work, I mean, we're playing Iron Man three now. So Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm on a break, I pull it up on any television inside the building, and I can watch it. You're not supposed to watch TV at work. It's during my break. How long is your break? It's half an hour, but <laughs> but I actually well, it's a half hour one day, half the, hour another. The day. last hour and a half of my of my shift is actually it's considered um, I'm backup for the person who's taking over for the who's taken right, over right, for right. the third shift. Okay, I'm already bored with that. Like, let's keep going. <laughs> so I'm sitting around for an hour. Stop and talking half. about your job. <laughs> Everybody asleep. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen. What else, this what is, else, it what is else did you miss this summer? Well, gosh. Um, did you see Iron Man 3 in the theater? Yes, I did. Okay. I didn't see it in 3D because I wasn't going to shell out the money for That's it. That's too bad because actually the 3D was still awesome. pretty good. It was still an awesome movie in 2D. Yeah. But, uh, you no, can watch actually, it in 3D here if you want. Oh, cool. You got it? I believe so, yeah. Oh, Awesome. <laughs> No, but I liked that. I liked uh, Iron Man three. I loved that whole um, the the conflict. MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, but the whole conflict to see Tony Stark actually having a problem, uh, going past his bravado and his his uh, ego, and seeing him suffering from PTSD from. From what happened in New York from the Avengers to to actually facing and that was actually kind of the the going theme for him in the Avengers was, um, you know, you think you can get out of any situation, right? And now he's facing a, a universe where there's aliens and wormholes, right? And, and then he and makes just over a hundred different suits. So in order to deal with that, he's going to protect himself with a hundred types of different suits for any type of situation. Yeah, I think it was forty two co- suits. Well, it just looked like on the big screen. It just was. Yeah, well, had, the most recent one he was working on was the Mark 42. Mark, Mark 42. Oh. <laughs> but still, I mean, you saw all the different yeah, suits. Yeah, and they were like every contingency they could think right. of. Right. He had one that was looked like a tank. He had <laughs> the Hulk Buster armor. Hulk, yeah. Just in case his buddy goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, then he's got, you know, the, the other one where, you know, ex wives show up so he can. I don't know. I was, I was reaching for that one. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what What else did you not see this summer? Oh God! Name Name all the movies. Um, a lot of the movies that were playing at work uh, haven't even hit the theaters yet, or were just a really limited release. There's one called uh, COG. Um, it's a, a true story of David Sedaris. Uh, he went on this quest. Um, to find he, he's a humorist, mm-hmm. and um, he f- took this uh, summer job picking apples, and for this guy, and he said, "Are you a cog?" And he was, like, "I have no idea." You mean what does that mean? And he said, "Well, child of God." And he and he just rolled his eyes because David Sedaris is a is an atheist and um, proud to be one, and um, it was just him dealing with all of these people who were quote unquote child, children of God mm-hmm. and he not fitting in. And it was just a, an interesting, interesting story. Yeah. The, uh, the whole religion storylines. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time either way with it these days. Yeah. Same here. Like Always. I don't mind people of faith having faith. I mm-hmm. hate them beating me over the eyebrows with it. Exactly. And on the flip side, I don't mind people being atheists. Like, if you don't believe mm-hmm. in God, like, that's your business. I don't, right. I don't care. You it's know? Like I, I had but a, you don't have to beat my head over, <laughs> over the, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, you know, believe what you want to believe. Leave mm-hmm. me the fuck alone. Yeah. And don't, know? don't, don't, um, try to, uh, define my atheism. <laughs> it's like, no, I just don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. That's all you believe in it because of this, because of X. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was an interesting uh, another film that I saw. Uh, uh, it was with one of the least favorite actors that <laughs> that have come around for me, Russell Brand. 
uh, was in this movie with Viola Davis of all people. Uh, I forgot. I the actually name. think Russell Brand is brilliant. Um, he just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I, I think it's because he did Arthur. Uh, just <laughs> you know me. Have you watched it? What, Arthur? Yeah. No, I refuse. It's really funny. I'm sorry. No, it's really I, I, funny. There's just certain certain uh, remakes that I will not watch. Well, that's just stupid, Steve. <laughs> Your whole remake thing is just stupid. I, I get so annoyed with why things. because you can get you can go and you can get the original. People remake Shakespeare constantly. Yes, because it's a play. It's on what stage. What the fuck does that matter? It's because, art, right? It's, it's art, art, and it's and great artist stage, and it's great on artist the stage. Mimic. What is that's different why we about have film? On stage, because it's not it's, a shot by shot recreation of, of the original Arthur. It's I, a different artist interpretation of the same material. That's how why. is that different from doing let the same thing? Answer, on stage? Let me answer your question. You asked me a question. I know, I know, it. but I don't, I don't get you. Okay, the reason is because something that is was originally made for the stage. Okay, that that I can understand. You have revivals because you cannot go out and rent. You cannot go and see Lee J. Cobb in Death of a Salesman. You can only go by other people's stories of it. And when people recreate. And have that, you can say, okay, this is this is what this performance is like. When you're, you're constantly making these movies over and over again, it, it's just annoying to me thinking that there's got to be somebody with original ideas out there. I would rather see and spend my money on somebody's original idea than there someone taking someone else's too, original idea and and changing it and making it different. I it makes no sense whatsoever. Because every movie is a product of the Why? time because that it's, it's made. Why? It. Because it's my opinion. But Why every, does it, but not make, uh, it may not. This make is an sense argument you? you and I have had. Yeah. <laughs> every every movie is a product of the time that it's made in, and it's got a particular look, particular feel, particular right. style of performance, particular group of actors. You know, mm-hmm. like take just say anything in the in the fifties. Say anything with Marlon Brando in it. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the one where he screams out Stella? I can't remember the name. Streetcar Named Desire. Streetcar, right? A stage play. <laughs> stage play turned into a film. Okay, right. there's your first problem. Okay, mm-hmm. stage play turned into a movie. Why? Why bother make a movie if it's an active stage production? Well, but not Stop. everybody can get to a theater. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody sees a movie either, right? For one reason or another, they don't like the actor. Mm-hmm. You know, like Marlon Brando. Everybody talks about how amazing he is. I personally don't see it. Like I've never enjoyed Brando. I, I think, I think he became a fat fuck, and I don't think he was interesting <laughs> once he became a fat fuck. The only movie I ever liked him in was Don Juan to Marco with. Johnny I liked Depp. it, yeah. But you, don't like, you don't like Godfather. I don't. I really don't like Godfather. I, and I know everybody like, oh my god, you don't like Godfather. I, I am fucking bored to tears when I watch Godfather. I, I, wow. I just don't like it. But. If somebody wanted to remake Godfather with some new actors. Oh, dear Lord, no. With some new actors in a different time, in a different setting, I'd um, watch it I would just to see what sacrilege. it is. I would that's, really... that's just stupid. Why is it different from stage, reinterpreting on stage with a different set of actors, a different look and feel, a different setting? How is that any different from artists, because- from artists who perform and create art on film? Why is their medium declared different from the people who make the same type of art on stage? Because the people who make the same uh, art on stage are doing it live before the audience as it's happening from act one to curtain to the end curtain. But But somebody doing Othello today is doing the same thing that has been done over and over and over again for hundreds of years. Exactly. And they have, why can't, why can't artists have their shot at, at the same stories that are being told on film? Because it's not it. Because what you're seeing on stage, I don't care. I don't care about being on stage. Why is it different for an artist who performs on stage Mm -hmm. to have the ability to rework pieces of art in their own view and it's not all right for film people to do the same thing that doesn't make any sense to me you are declaring one art form capable of doing one thing and another art form not being able to do the same and it's the same art form just one gets filmed and one doesn't right but there's not one time during a performance when you're sitting in a theater seeing the live production 
where someone says, okay, stop, we'll do it again, but we'll, we'll try something else. And it's what you're seeing is what's happening, what's been rehearsed over and over again. So it, you're seeing a consistent performance they, when you're talking but about But arguably film, they do do that. Right. It's, but, it's in a longer form but, difference. But I watched, but I watched film, Neil Simon's Jake's Women at the Old Globe Theater in the mm-hmm. late 80s. It never made it to Broadway until like the late 90s, early 2000s, because he kept reworking it until it got to a point where he was happy with it. Right. But that's it's not any different than an editor or a cut or a take. Right. But their performances are pieced together on on film. It's not live in front of you. It what, is what does is that brought matter? together. Why does that matter? Because it's it. I don't see it as a because what you what you now have next the next person who goes to make that movie has different sets of actors who make new choices the director himself makes different sets of shot choices the new cinematographer mm-hmm. has a different lighting idea the editor has a different set of choices on and the his same edit. thing happens with how is that different from making different decisions every night on how you perform your play because being someone who has been in a play I've been it, in a play too so don't fucking talk down to me on that. <laughs> How is it different? <laughs> because you you keep your performance consistently day in and day out. You but you don't. It. You do not. Not every night is the same as the night before. It's impossible mm. for every night to be the same as mm. the night before because of the variations just in human nature. Somebody goes up on one night and you have to cover for him and it's some brilliant thing that you did. Right. If somebody's mustache flies off. Right. You got to cover. You have, you have There's all sorts ability. of things that yeah. happen. Every I, night. I grant you that. The I audience is that. fucking dead one night. Right. And I, so I you, you either that. suffer through the production but or you pick seeing, up the. But what pick you're it seeing up. on screen is something that has been sterilized, basically, and cut and put together. And in some. Uh, in mo- in a lot of instances, very well. And I don't see why someone has to come out and say, oh, I want to do that better. I want to do that differently. Tell me you wouldn't love to see some other director take a crack at the prequels and make them better. The prequels? Star Wars. No. Tell me you wouldn't want, like to see somebody go back and make the, the prequels we all really wish were made. No. You're full of shit. You are full of shit. <laughs> no, I think he should have done them right the first time. If but he didn't. To, but he yeah. didn't. So if somebody could come in and do it right, I wouldn't stop them from taking a crack at it. Why would you do that? I just, it just. Why is it so sacred? Just because it's on film. If it fucking sucked the first time, make it again. If you have a different take on it. Make your version. Well, Why can't an artist do that? I don't want to see people a, do a that with paintings a second time. People do that with paintings. People do that with photography. They mimic the artists that they mm-hmm. like. They they try to build on the things right. that came before. They create something new, but based on somebody's original work. Why does the filmmaker not get the same opportunity in your eyes? And this is this mm-hmm. is a question I have for everybody who's against the remake. I mean, it doesn't destroy what was made before it doesn't change the beauty of whatever was made before mm-hmm. why does somebody else not get a crack at the same story i don't know it, it i just find it you like hold you're holding film at this weird like ideological right, because there is okay on a on a pedestal okay if you look at the tony awards okay they have a category for uh for best revival Mm-hmm. Revival of a play, revival of music, mm-hmm. of a musical. They don't have that category for film. Well, arguably, that's the fault of the Academy not well, doing that. Uh, to me, that there's a reason but for that. But they've been remaking movies for I'm, as long as movies I have know, been made. I know. They've even made fun of that fact in mm-hmm. the last remake of Beaugest. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever seen that? No, but uh, I've heard about it. Okay. Marty Feldman making fun of every single mm-hmm. version of it to the point where he actually takes a piece of the original with Gary Cooper and he puts himself in that film. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, you know, it just rubs me the wrong way. I I still cannot, I guess, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying well, to explain did, my, my how position. How did you feel about things being rebooted like Star Trek? Uh, initially, I was annoyed with it. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're... you're um, the design of the, the the design of the ship, I was totally uh, taken aback by. 
initially, that was my initial reaction. I was like, what are you doing? You're taking my childhood and changing it. No, he's not. Again, you're holding you're holding something in this weird ideological pedestal, uh-huh. saying this is my childhood. Okay, yeah, well, this, that, this is what that I, didn't this go is away. What I had this is right. This All is the Star what Trek that you grew up watching it. hasn't gone I, away, and he didn't change it. It's right. not like they went through and destroyed all the original episodes, and like you don't get to play with that anymore. No. Here's your new toy. They didn't no, do but that. With the rebooting. It's um, the one one of the advantages that Star Trek has in its lore is that you can have infinite different uh, timelines mm-hmm. and different and it the word <laughs> infinite uh, different um, not just timelines parallel but timelines par- parallel universes, universes whatever parallel, parallel universes so anything so basically anything can happen with that with that I'm a little bit more acceptable but um I want to see something new. I want to see something dazzling. But, but it with, is with something that. new. No, it's familiar. It's been done. Somebody has done it. So by that, it's been done. You would never go watch another play. No, that's not. No, that's not <laughs> but true. That's the same thing. To me, this has been not. done before. To me, but the interpretation not. is different. You can because I can't just walk how is into the a film theater. interpretation different from a stage interpretation? Because being I different. cannot just walk into a theater and just say, "Oh, can you play me? Can you do Othello for me, or can you do a Midsummer Night's Dream for me right now?" Well, you can't do that you with the movie theater either. Not with a the movie theater, but I can rent something. And yeah, say, oh, so? or I can get something on demand, and so that's it. Well, but what does I, that have to do with anything? It's the permanency of, to me, it's the permanency of A kid of from today is not going to be interested in watching Dudley Moore do Arthur. I'm sorry, it's not interesting to a kid today. But Russell Brand is the resident drunk actor of the time. He mm-hmm. is the Dudley Moore of the time. And I, having him play Arthur was funny. It was a funny movie. It wasn't the same as Dudley Moore's. It, he didn't perform it the same. He performed it in his way, his mm-hmm. interpretation of the character. Right. The characters all around him did their interpretations of, you know, the the nanny and whatever. You know, and these brilliant actors, all the people around him. Mm-hmm. It was like Helen Mirren. Right. And it was really touching and beautiful, the whole bit between him and Helen Mirren in the end and how that all worked. And I watched Arthur when I was a kid, and I didn't fucking care. I watched Arthur as an adult, as somebody who enjoys Russell Brand's humor, and enjoyed the hell out of that movie in a way that I've never enjoyed the original Arthur. And I've gone back and watched the original Arthur as an adult. Mm -hmm. Dudley Moore drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) Be honest with you, he does. He drives me nuts. You know, and I remember he was a big deal when I was a kid, you know. Very talented guy, don't get me wrong, but I just found him unbearable. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the same way that you find Russell Brand unbearable. We do have right. a decade or so between us. This is true. But why am I robbed of the opportunity to enjoy I'm the script? Robbed. Why am I robbed of the opportunity to enjoy the script of Arthur mm-hmm. by by removing the possibility of it being remade by somebody who can make it in a way that's accessible to me? Say that again. In your world, mm-hmm. where remakes don't get made, right? No, it's not that Hold they don't on. get made. In your world, where remakes should not be made, mm-hmm. you have said that. I don't like remakes. I don't think they should do them. Everything should be original. Mm-hmm. You would argue that the script for Arthur is brilliant, mm-hmm. right? So why right. would I be denied the opportunity to enjoy the script of Arthur performed by artists who make it accessible to me and my particular tastes because you don't allow a remake. No, I don't allow a remake. I just, it's my opinion. No, no, I don't no, want to see I, it. I, I understand. You don't have to watch it, but why do you have to poo-poo the fact that one is made? That's what I don't understand. Why do you have to be so full of vitriol about remakes to the point where you actually do push your opinion so hard on other people that maybe they think, mm, maybe I shouldn't see that. Why, why do that? 
I'm an asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? All right. You know, 20 <laughs> minutes to get to that. I'm okay with that. We'll deal with that. But you see the point I'm making? Uh, yeah. You're making me wrong for having an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying, you know, this is one of those things that you and I, over the years, I, I've heard you spout the whole thing off. Right. And, you know, I've just never quite understood it because I like new interpretations of material. I don't necessarily like the interpretation right. all the time. And I would agree that a you lot know, of remakes are really I, bad. I can say, in a, and I can <laughs> say in all honesty uh, that I, I can, I, I am at times a hypocrite on that because <laughs> I have seen some of the remakes and yeah, uh, and I will grant you the remake was probably better uh, than the original. Um, my one case is True Grit. I know a lot mm. of people will look and say that's sacrilege because that's John Wayne. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But when I look at them side by side, we're looking at two totally different. I mean, yes, John Wayne is this icon. Mm-hmm. And um, I know my ex-wife. I mean, this is one of her favorite films. And she's probably you know, has even 10 times the vitriol. Towards <laughs> making that movie mm-hmm. um, because well, and our friend Missy like couldn't believe oh, yeah. they were making True Grit. Originally, that was my it. originally that was my of course was my opinion. It's mm-hmm. Like, how dare they take an iconic film like that? And I begrudgingly went because my brother wanted to see it. So did my dad, and said, "What the hell? They're going to do? Want to see what the hell they're going to do with it?" And I was actually impressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sitting there comparing shot by shot because I know this movie so well. And I was like, this is a far better telling of the story. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the characters. Granted, they had some odd characters in the remake. Right. Um, but I thought we're a little out of place. But it was like, uh, and the dialogue was right out of a book was was so prosaic so full of uh, the of language that just seemed anachronistic for the time but it was like reading a Louis L'Amour it was like watching a Louis L'Amour uh, book mm-hmm. being acted out mm-hmm. and using very almost Shakespearean language in in some cases like well uh, if you've ever seen um, Deadwood it's almost Shakespearean the way they speak. Right. You, you know, granted, they, they curse that would make <laughs> sailors go, dude. I, I think Shakespeare would have written with a lot of curse words today himself, though. So. Yeah, given the license, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, James Bond. The, the changes to James Bond with Daniel Craig. I mean, basically rebooted. But also revisited well, Casino well, you, Royale. Well, you also have to understand when Casino Royale was was uh, usurped by uh, by Woody Allen mm-hmm. uh, when he did that and made it a comedy, and everybody stood by. Okay, Casino Royale that was already made, mm-hmm. and I can understand someone going, "Okay, you made it a comedy, but that's not how it was written. <laughs> it wasn't written as a comedy. Let's do it as it was written." Or so to speak. So but in that qu- case, but quite the reimagining of the entire character in Daniel Craig's time. From certainly, what, from what all the other James Bonds were. Well, each, ahead of him. Each, I mean, I mean, they got James more. Bond. They got more sticky up to Roger Moore, and I think Roger Moore was very sticky. And then extremely they, sticky. They kind of got out of the sticky, but couldn't quite get all the way to the full dramatic tension mm-hmm. that they have now. You know, through Timothy Dalton and, and Pierce Brosnan, I think because they had such a long history of schlock, <laughs> you know, yeah, that it was hard to pull away from it. Prince Baron, but they had to so reimagine everything and and restart that series to move it along. Mm-hmm. Um, they really had to reimagine the character. You know, same character, right? Same base materials, but presented in such a different way. You know, and I remember all the arguments when they first declared Daniel Craig was going to be Bond. There was all the bitching that he doesn't look like he looked like Bond should look. And then there was all the people who were pissed that it was going back to the beginnings. And, 
you know, he was going to be essentially a new agent and, you know, working his way into reimagining. You're completely reimagining and rebooting the entire um, world of James Bond. But it was brilliant. It was ballsy as hell because a lot of people didn't want to see that or they thought they didn't want to see that. You know, um, bravo, in my opinion, to the filmmakers who had the balls to reimagine Mm -hmm. something so iconic, you know. To stand in the face of the people who say Dang, you shouldn't do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> How dare they? Thank, who are these people? Thank God they did, though, because right. it was—it's really good. Don't you and, hate when people do that? Yeah, God, and um, the most recent one. Um, what was the most recent one? Uh, Skyfall. Uh, Skyfall. I I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, incredibly dramatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, so dramatic all the way through, but still had all the bond elements, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even more so than the first two in the series, the new series, you know, um, but had a level of drama to it that you just never got. No, you saw, a, bond. you saw a relationship between M mm-hmm. and James Bond that, you know, it was at times uncomfortable to watch because, you know, this is a person who's licensed to kill and he's, you know, it's, it's his mother basically mm-hmm. he's, that he's treating her like. Yeah, it transcended the job. Right. It was a mutual respect and mm-hmm. kind of care for each other that you just never would have imagined and seeing got, I mean, for me, it <clears throat> got to be a little bit like Batman after a while. At, <clears throat> uh, near, Sorry, spoiler. Near the end, where the caretaker is like Alfred, and he's mm-hmm. setting up all all the different you know booby traps and everything. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that only infant, tiny, tiny, minute, uh, portion of the movie that I only had a problem with. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we've covered <laughs> the reboot remake. <laughs> uh, Beaten that one to death. Um. Arguably, I don't think you're as quite against it as you make yourself out to be. Oh, you know. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I would, I would leave. Where it with, would I, I be? I would what leave type it of person would I be if I wasn't melodramatic? I would leave it with this: try to be more open-minded to new interpretations. That was that would be all I would say. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? An asshole to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and they closing my coffin. Hey, I'm not finished, okay? <laughs> oh, have you seen the trailers for uh, Ron Howard's new movie? Rush. Oh, the, it's a true story. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to see that. That looks yeah. that looks amazing. <clears throat> Once again, my the way my mind works is like, oh, he's going back to his roots. He's going back to you know, Grand uh, uh, Gone in sixty seconds, and um, was it Grand Theft Auto? It was his first film. I don't remember what um, it was. I remember Night Shift. Night Shift was kind of like the first thing that I remember. Actually, his, the first movie that he did was uh, this guy stealing a car and driving across country. And it, actually, he played the role and he directed himself. So. Gotcha. Um, and I think it's really funny, um, based on Ron Howard's um, appearances on Arrested Development on the Netflix season. Have you seen it? I... He I'm plays, sorry, I have never watched the show. There's this whole sequence. He plays himself mm-hmm. this season. And he's the narrator of the show and has been since day one because he's a producer. But he's the narrator of the show, so he talks mm-hmm. about the family every season. But this season, he started showing up as himself within the show as well. <laughs> and the big joke he kept making all throughout the, the series was that he was looking for the next real story to tell because he only makes movies about true people. <laughs> Real, real people. Real That's why events. I love him so much. <laughs> it was so funny. That's why I guess I, I love his movie so much. Yeah. So the whole thing was he was looking at the Bluth family because he he wanted to do a movie about their family. You know, <laughs> he's like he's like I think your story would be great, but I need you to get you know get the whole family to sign off on it. So Jason Bateman's character's whole season is trying to get everybody to sign off on being in the in the Ron Howard film so he could be a producer. <laughs> it was hilarious. Cool. <laughs> so. Hi, Eric. Hello there. Well, hello. It's my cousin Eric stepping out to vape. I would imagine vape. Yeah, he's vaporizing. Oh, one of although those. he is smoking a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stop smoking. <coughs> what? Yeah, yeah. So I, I am. He's a lunger. Uh, one, one year and five, five months. Very good. Mine's uh, 
I'm hitting. I've got the ten year mark. Yeah, yeah. You uh, did you quit when we were living together? Back once, in college? <laughs> once, yeah, <laughs> once. And then you went back. Yeah. I went back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think oh four, hmm. um, summer of oh four when I moved out. Uh, that's when I quit. Yeah. Uh, it was April of last year for me, and I was I had a really nasty like bout of being sick. I had a sinus infection, a bronchial infection, and an ear infection all in the same time. And I was miserable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And I was basically bedridden for a week. And then when I... So when I was in bed that whole week, like I just had no desire to smoke whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Oh, you never do. When so you're I didn't sick smoke the whole gosh. week, and then the and then a, especially when you have a chest cold. And then a week after I got better, my mom went into the hospital with uh, double pneumonia, um, staph- staphylococcal pneumonia in both lungs, um, and almost died. And she spent fourteen days in the ICU. So I spent two weeks sitting by her bedside. Um, by the time, by the time I walked out of there, I had not smoked in three weeks. So I was mm-hmm. like, that's it. You know, based on how sick I was and watching my mom be unhealthy and whatever, I'm like, I'm done. I just gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. stop it. So I quit. Simple as that. So, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily feel better, but. I'm glad I'm not smoking. Well, you know, uh, after a while, I mean, that, that after getting through that first year, um, it's it, it's a lot easier. I mean, the first few months, I mean, you're just hacking up all this crap out of your out of your body is just purging it, purging the nicotine out of your lungs. And- well, you know, it's almost like a um, <clears throat> congratulations, you made it to one year. Here's here's pneumonia. I had a, <laughs> I had pneumonia right at the one year mark. Just, you know, right around the one year mark, I, I got pneumonia. Here's a little reminder of why you shouldn't. Yeah, be and then a couple months after that, I got you know pretty serious bronchitis. You know, <laughs> well, I would get I would get sick all the time when I was smoking. Was yeah. constantly you know coming down. I, I didn't. And stuff. I didn't. But no? it, basically, one year later, after having quit well, smoking, also I got, mo- me I got more sick than I've been in forever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you called you're like me a, a petri dish. Yeah, I'm a petri dish. <laughs> Something's growing. Something so. else is wrong with me. But uh, no, so we're you know we've been talking for you know fifty two minutes. Ooh, wow! <laughs> we were like, eh, we'll talk for half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> we spent about half an hour arguing about remakes. <laughs> Attack of the fifty foot remake. <laughs> well, you know, honestly though, I got to thank the podcast for being the opportunity for you and I actually to have a real discussion about that. Oh, sure. we've never cool. really like it's always bugged me, but we've never had a conversation about that. No. Like and really kind of hashed out. Yeah, you know, it's anytime I make that. It, it's funny to watch all of you guys because I'll make that comment and it's, it's simultaneous. Each one of you will just throw your head back, roll your eyes, like, <laughs> "Oh God, you're Steve again." <laughs> you're, you're yes, talking, you're, get it, Steve. You're talking about Teresa and like Jessica and all the rest of us. You who do, too. Who all do of Sci-Fi you, Sunday. Still, we're doing yeah. this. No, it, it's not just us that do Sci-Fi Sundays. It's all of us as a group, yeah. your entire family and our friends, the people we know who know me so uh i'm pissing off a lot of people i'm, I'm realizing well you know it, 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 it it's you just come across as so close-minded when you when you spout off like that and there's nothing that in my family drives people more nuts than closed-mindedness yeah that i, I would <laughs> the most diverse people that i've that i've ever met I, it's my jersey upbringing i guess you know <laughs> well and that's ultimately what i ended up telling her like, oh, just cut him some slack he's from new jersey yeah <laughs> yeah what's even what's even crazy what's even funnier about that is that i uh, i make my annual p- pilgrimage back to new jersey and you know i, I will uh uh, chastise some of my friends for being so close-minded. <laughs> so you really think that? Really? Oh my god! I've been in California. I've been liberalized by California <laughs> to an extent. To an extent. I mean, I was a liberal in New Jersey, but you know, a liberal in New Jersey is like a uh, is a Republican out here. So yeah. yeah well, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not. I don't affiliate myself with the Republican Party anymore, but I, I was for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I was never the type of Republican that my Midwest family is. Oh my gosh! As Republicans, you know, um, it is interesting how different the views are from right. coast to coast and up the middle. You know, yeah. Just- I mean, I um, the the 
best uh, comment that I heard about being a Republican um, came from a fictional character. It wasn't even an actual person. It was from Will McAvoy from uh, Newsroom uh, in the final episode of the season where he, he's explaining why he's a Republican. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can respect that. I can respect why he's a Republican. He believes in the free market system. He believes in, you know, defending the country. And um, that um, I can't uh, come up with verbatim what he said. But when he turned, turned it says, what I don't like is that because I say I'm a Republican, I'm also supposed to be a homophobe. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also supposed to counting each time a person goes to church. Yeah, I, have, I really yeah. did like that speech in the in this season's finale. Right. I really, really appreciated that speech because that more represented my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um and more along the lines of how I speak about it <laughs> than what we got <laughs> last year from that show. Oh, it was just you know, calling the calling the Tea Party the American tab- Taliban, which yeah. I, I I have to admit, my me, my brother, and my dad cheered when we when we heard that. We just loved uh, that comment. But yeah, but I I had agreed with that character the whole season mm-hmm. up until that moment. I I didn't never made that comment. That comment didn't ring true to me. Mm-hmm. So what my viewpoint is, and it was really hard for me to hear that because. I agreed with that character all season until that moment. And that moment. And I think that's what crossed over a line for me that I wouldn't have crossed over because, and this is politics stuff, but because I know why the Tea Party exists, mm-hmm. right? And while I don't agree with their tactics, I understand why they are the way they are. And it's a response mm-hmm. to something else. Right. And I won't get into more. Of no. That, but it's should. definitely a response to something right. else. And I don't think that that ever is spoken about in enough detail. Because you have to understand why they are, they are sure. the way they are to get to the root of the problem and try and find a way to work around them. To mm-hmm. just call them all crazy. You won't get them to change their mind. No. <laughs> you know? No. There's crazy no compromise the second you start calling somebody Believe crazy. Believe me. <laughs> you know, I'm a crazy person. Like I can't change my mind. You're not crazy. You're an asshole. No, okay, different. <laughs> I stand correct. <laughs> so, but I, but I definitely liked that last speech mm-hmm. this season because that is absolutely how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate, and that's why I walked away from the Republican Party because I hated having to define to everybody that I'm one way, right, and that you had to hate. Uh, Democrats, but I don't agree with that. Right, I don't hate Democrats, and I don't hate gays, and I don't, you know, I don't hate atheists. I don't ha- hate any of that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have hate for anything other than closed mindedness. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why you know? are you pointing at me and looking at me that way? <laughs> but it's unfortunately that it's unfortunate that that entire party is identified by the extreme, mm-hmm. and and honestly, for years, the Democratic Party has been defined by the extreme. You know, as well from our side, you know, and and I think because of the two of it, I think there's a lot of just childlike behavior in politics. I think politics. it's becoming incredibly even more childlike. Yeah, it's like I'm on and this side of the sandbox, you're on that side of the sandbox, and we can't go in between. No, on the this sand. This is lava. This is lava. This we is all lava. Uh, yeah. You know, you stay the fuck over there, and I'm gonna stay the fuck over here, and we'll never play with each other. And even if we agree with each other, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's so unfortunate because that's what's going to drive this country into the ground. Yeah, uh, it, so you know, I like newsroom very much because you know it is written by let's face it, you know, one of the most brilliant liberal writers. guys around. Yeah, incredibly and, brilliant. I right. love the West Wing, but mm-hmm. the West Wing never spoke my story mm-hmm. ever. You know, as much as you know, yeah, I'll, I'll watch um, snippets and episodes, I never followed the show. Yeah, it, it, it was very liberal, mm-hmm. like all the way through. Even when they like started moving towards, you know, a Republican takes over when he when Martin Sheen's character was done, like all that stuff. I never felt like my my side of everything was told mm-hmm. in any sort of way that made it feel like I was represented. You know, but I, I loved how the Democrats were represented. He did a very good job. Mm-hmm. I think a better job most of the time presenting the Democratic viewpoint than the actual politicians we've got right. out there doing it. You know, so I, I really enjoyed the writing, and I always wished that somebody would write for the Republican voice in a fashion like that that 
maybe would help people understand right, that how, didn't sound, how I see the world that doesn't right. sound like a lunatic. I mean, because you, the pundits that you hear from are just uh, – Give me, let me hear something that's intelligent. I mean, I just don't want to hear. Even I, I've stopped completely watching uh, all types of cable news mm-hmm. because on both sides, I just cannot take. Yeah, and none of them are good anymore. No, they're all they're it's, all useless for yeah. news. Um, but the thing I like about Newsroom is, yeah, Aaron Sorkin's writing it, and yeah, mm-hmm. he's not a Republican, but he has done the most brilliant job of writing. What for me is the true right wing viewpoint mm-hmm. <laughs> on on how the world ought to be, you know, I mean, how I, we should it, conduct ourselves. I mean, the last great Republican this yeah. country has seen, in my opinion, was Eisenhower. Anybody after that? I mean, this man had built the infrastructure that we have, in the, the mm-hmm. American highway system. Mm-hmm. Put you know, want to talk about job creator? I mean, created entire communities and brought this country. You know, made the country smaller by increasing the the, the bridges and and all the roads, but we haven't touched them since. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem is that we can still have that same ideal, but you know, let's fix what we got. Well, I think there's an unfortunate side story here that we're a young country; mm-hmm. nothing here is old, you know. And I don't think we have a long-term view on anything. No. Everything's it's, it's short-term done, it's made. now, tomorrow. Okay, it's Last made, it's 10 done. years, that's great. We'll deal with it in 10 mm-hmm. years. That attitude of we'll deal with it later, it's debt spending. Right. <laughs> we know? already made that road. Why do we have to remake? Yeah. And it, it's unfortunate. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> <Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. laughs> you brought it all the way around. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, uh, newsroom's great. And, yes, and I, I absolutely love it, and I and I actually really, you know, if, if if Aaron Sorkin by any chance ever was to hear me talk, I would thank him for writing a character that I actually can identify with on television. Um, short of the one comment that just rubbed me wrong right. last season, <laughs> and unfortunately, it <laughs> and was I the would, big tip of the hat right. comment at the yeah. very end, and I was left with that for a year to try and. You know, go, okay, well, where's the show going when it comes back? And when it came mm-hmm. back, he was sane again and, you know, been able to watch it and enjoy it this right. season. But, and I would also, if I had ever meet him, thank him for Studio 60. I thought that was the most, one of the most brilliant comedies, dramas about a comedy that was ever written. Yeah. It was, it was a good show. It was too inside, though. Yeah. That, I think that, that's if you weren't If you weren't in production, a lot right. of it was very hard to follow. Yeah. I mean, and my dad was they, the one who caught that for me. Yeah, there was there were times when they were talking about what what are what are upfronts, what are the upfronts, what are what Yeah. Well, and there was a whole episode where one of the major plot lines was somebody deleted you know five lines or added five lines into the script. Mm-hmm. And Oh no! They, in in they, final they, draft or whatever, they, 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 had they didn't in, save it right or whatever. Or, yeah, they they saved they because they were working on a half hour comedy. They didn't switch the final draft back to right. That's what sketch it was. comedy. Yeah, it was the wrong format. It was in the so wrong format. So because of that, it was too long and and like I got it. My dad got it. You got it. Everybody I know who was in production got it. Anybody I know who wasn't in production and was watching the show who didn't understand why any of that was any tension or why it was funny right. or why it was a problem. You it, know? It was the same thing. He also had another short-lived show, Newsnight, mm-hmm. which was the same thing. Yeah. Uh, not no, Newsnight. Excuse me, Sports Night. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's done a better job with, with Newsroom mm-hmm. of not being too inside. Well, he he's not really – because we're dealing with nothing that's at 100% current mm-hmm. it's a year it's a year ago that we're looking at so it's it's familiar to us so we can say oh yeah i remember when that happened yeah but the plot devices are about things other than production right <laughs> i mean you see the production happening mm-hmm. and occasionally they'll talk about it yeah but it's, but it's, it's not, never the thing that hinges no it's not the the pivotal point yeah of, yeah and that was the mistake i think you made on those other two shows right because it was just too techy yeah as far as too in as, as you said it was too inside yeah so cool well now we're at an hour and three minutes so oh boy <laughs> we'll, we'll do we still have an audience <laughs> who knows if we have an audience <laughs> at all <laughs> well i'll know <laughs> okay but uh, so by uh, by that that comment i mean are people 
uh, listening to these? Well, the intellectual hasn't gone up yet. Oh, okay. So this is only the second episode I've recorded, and I don't launch a show until I have like four episodes okay. to do. So um, two more of these, and then we'll launch the intellectual. Um, Sci-Fi Sunday, um, we've got five episodes up right now, mm-hmm. and we've had several hundred downloads. Wow. Um, so it's not bad, you know, I mean, obviously we want it to get better and yeah. continue to grow. Um, Voices of 93, which has been up since May, and we just put our 31st episode up this past week, wow. um, is approaching 11,000 downloads. Hmm. So, you know. That's How many good. people did you graduate with? There were 500 plus, five, between 500 and 550 mm-hmm. that graduated, and... Um, there's like 210 went to our reunion in August. Wow. So. I got my my uh, 30th reunion, uh, end of November, <laughs> right right after uh, Thanksgiving. Nice. It's a Thanksgiving weekend. That's great. Trying to find a flight back to New Jersey. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Man. During that. And every single re- – the 10th, the 20th, and the 25th. You know why they did all that? Them, you know, you know why they picked that time? Everybody because they figure in, everybody lives there. Everybody lives in New you're, Jersey. You're the odd duck that moved out. I'm not. <laughs> I've heard other people live live in California, live out in in other states. We're just the few people that found the hole in the barbed wire. You can leave New Jersey. <laughs> Everybody's stuck on the turnpike. Everybody's stuck on 280, thinking they, they can't go past you know the Delaware River. <laughs> So, well, uh, you have to let us know if you go to your 30th. I'll um, well, like to hear how it goes. I, I would love to. I'm actually having a mini reunion next weekend. Okay. Uh, a friend, You've spoken to her on the phone. Um, okay. This was years ago from a digital workshop. And when I found this girl online, we were we were somewhat boyfriend and girlfriend. It was before that, the other girl that I went back east to see. Um, and... Uh, We've been very close since then talking. She's remarried, but uh, she has an interesting story. But I'm going to be finally seeing her after about 30 years. Cool. Haven't seen her. Cool. Yeah. Um, I had a ball seeing people I haven't seen in 20 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, been keeping in touch with a lot of them. Wow. Uh, actually had one of the guys came down and spent the weekend here last weekend. Oh, cool. And, uh uh, joined us for a, a Sci-Fi Sunday podcast as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, which one was? Hasn't that? aired yet. Oh, it hasn't aired. Okay. It's like I've listened to them. Yeah, all. We've, we've got two in the can that uh, haven't gone up yet. Okay. So, that, that's how these without work. me. That's how these work, You've Steve. You record. These, you record a bunch, and then you have some on on hand. I know. That way, you're not desperately trying to get them done every week. <laughs> You've done them without me. Yeah, you're you're the occasional host. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Guest host on Sci-Fi Sunday. The fact that you live up in Orange County, and, right? You know, can't come down here except on Sundays. I could come down um, Mondays too, <laughs> when the rest of us are working. Oh yeah, you guys work then. That's my day off. That's that four ten schedule that we're holding on to with our bare knuckles. So they want. They want it. We're the only. My department is the only department uh, left in the building that is on four ten. So everybody's on five eight. Talking about working again. <laughs> All right, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, you know, we'll have you back on, of course. Goody. on the intellectual. I You'll be my go. occasional host on the intellectual. So as well. I go back to my box. <laughs> go back to your little box and hide. Okay, closing the doors. <laughs> All right, bye.